So when I was a teenager, uh, my parents broke up and then my father died when, in a car accident in my early 20s. So all of that had an impact um, and it's, that seemed to kind of express itself um, or I used to feel it, not even express itself out, but how I used to feel that inside was just a lack of confidence. And um, yeah, so, and a lack of worth. Yeah, I think that was, they would probably have been the main symptoms. And then reaching out for numbing, things to numb out or whatever. So alcohol and smoking pot and partying, whatever. And um, then through practice, I was like, yeah, those Shavasanas back with Ashley and Quark in the early days, um, something changed for me. That's Carol Murphy, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the yoga industry was like 20 years ago, before Instagram, before even the internet itself. Well, Carol Murphy's probably the most experienced teacher I've had on the podcast so far. She's got well over 20 years teaching the public. She's done and taught over 30 teacher trainings and she's led workshops and retreats all over the world. Carol, in my opinion, is the personification of yoga. I met her on my 300-hour teacher training and we just hit it off straight away. She's, she's the kind of person when you meet her, she gives you real eye contact. Her smile is genuine and she's just as authentic as it gets. Um, I hope you love this episode and you learn more about Carol and hopefully have, get lucky enough to get to one of her classes. Um, she's brilliant. So yeah, on Instagram, she's Green Lotus Yoga. If you uh, enjoy this episode, which I hope you do, as always, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I know Stitcher can be a bit of a pain to review, so iTunes is fantastic if you get a chance. Uh, enjoy, and um, here's Carol. Hi, how are you, Carol? Have we started? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this it? Like This is it, it's recorded. Oh, uh, hello. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, good. I'm a little bit tired after diving up from Cork. But I'm feeling good. Yeah. What, why are you here? Apart from being on the podcast, obviously. Well, I'm in, I'm in Dublin yeah. this weekend. Um, I'm teaching tomorrow in Meath in the Yoga Well, teaching two workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yoga Well is where I started training in January. So this is like the preliminary workshop. Right. And then on Sunday, I'm teaching uh, my fashion release workshop in Hot Yoga Dublin. Hmm. Do you travel a lot? Yeah, yeah, I do. And um, the last few months, actually, especially like this autumn, there's pretty much every weekend I'm either training or, or teaching workshops around the country. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm actually going back to doing more workshops. So the last few years, it's just seemed to be all teacher training, teacher training, teacher training. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I love the trainings, but um, yeah, I have to admit, I'm really enjoying teaching like the real people <laughs> in version <laughs> covers. Yeah, and uh, you know, I taught like real people uh, for 19 years, you know, midweek, and yeah. it was my passion. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being back in an environment where there isn't, you know, the pressure 
there of a teacher training where people are like trying to get a search and trying to find their voice, their teaching voice and trying to get a level. And you know, it's a little bit more fun. Workshops are definitely a little bit more easygoing. Yeah, that's true. And fun. Yeah, yeah, you never think about that. that it's on, on a, when you're teaching a teacher training, you have a big responsibility, don't you? Major, yeah. Compared to a workshop, which as you said, is more lighthearted. Definitely. Um, so you've done, you've taught for 19 years. So you're, you're definitely the most senior experienced person a guest I've had on oh. the podcast yeah, yeah. actually I've been teaching I think it's 22 years it was just teaching midweek yoga classes like nine, Monday to Thursday every week that's what I did for 19 and then I did the, the last few years of that 19 I was also teaching trainings on weekends but then in the last let's say five or six years it's been the, the I've been teaching trainings but after Sorry, the last three or four years then, I stopped teaching midweek. Right. And it's just been trainings and workshops. How many how many teacher trainings have you hosted? <laughs> have I taught? Yeah, I taught. Oh, my God. it's I actually have lost count. It's, that sounds a little bit scary, but it's around 30 or maybe a little bit over. Okay. Yeah. And most of them have been 200 hours. Um, and I'm teaching my second, I'm midway through my second, teaching my second 300 hour at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know when we did because we met on the the Bryce Yoga Teach Training was the first time we met, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. Yeah, and um, we, uh, I like we partnered up on lot and stuff, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we did. I love partnering you. I know. Second grade adjustments. I felt completely safe in your hands. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Just someone told me not told me off, but someone like um, called me out the other day. Uh, it was just kind of a friend who comes to my classes. Would I class him as a friend? Maybe not actually, more of an acquaintance. And he said to me that um, I don't do adjustments, um, and it's quite hard to teach like a fast-paced class yeah. and do adjustments at the same time. You have to really be like stealth when you get in and get out, you know. Um, I, I, it's something I think I need to refine, actually. I'm joining um, Samadhi. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the news. Oh, I do, yeah, yeah Greg, yeah. Yeah, joining Samadhi. So um, I, I've spoken to Greg about this, and he has said that, you know, he'll give me a, like almost like a refresher. Um, Excellent. Yeah, because I, I, I think that's... Um, uh, really important so I think um, mm. on the flow part of a class I think that it's really important that like less is more mm -hmm. um, I remember having one assistant teach with me on a training once and he was trying to do like four people on every pose it was like he was trying to do the washing up and there was a program <laughs> on and he wanted to like and I, I was I had to after the first day I had to take him in and go you know people receive your energy through your touch and you want someone to feel nurtured through your touch and that you're really taking care of them and you know it's not like fling it here fling it there you know yeah um so like i said i will, i'm not expecting you to like do it's not like not to try and do five for every pose you know it's yeah. just like it's do one you know yeah. do one little adjustment in every pose in the flow section and then in what i call the focus section of a workshop or Mm -hmm. the second half of class if you're doing more technique or on a, a technique workshop then you have more time mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. to adjust people or in a self-practice class I don't know if you teach them but uh, or even incorporating you know the way like in ladder flow sometimes you'd incorporate some self-practice time into a class yeah um, yeah that I, can be time yeah Sorry, I, I, no, so I was gonna say I suppose like the format of the class makes a big difference because what I've noticed with Dice who was leading the, the teacher training with Bryony uh -huh. is that his classes are 
he'll do say like a few key sequences first uh -huh. and he'll go really slow like say 10 breaths in each pose and that will give him a chance to come around do the adjustments and the next time you're in that same pose you're flowing through it you're just in one breath in, yes. in the pose so you um it's it's i suppose it's about how you format it and um i know that i'm still i'm trying to i try to be really creative and, and essentially create a new class every week mm -hmm. a new a new theme for the class a new focus and therefore um it's a bit overwhelming because i'm not figuring out what the best way to adjust is with these with these new sequences mm -hmm. so um i don't know it's something that i, I I'm, I'm working on a bit more mm -hmm. myself but um I've listened to a couple of, of your other podcasts and I know you've brought up in the past as well and on your Instagram posts, yeah. like the issues around touch, around adjustments and um, yeah, I think the yoga world is saying less is more, you know, um, even though adjustments to receive and adjustment is such an incredible thing, it can make such a difference, but there's so mm. many people out there who do have... Um, boundary issues are a little bit more less touch sensitive and um yeah it's you know this there's a new thing now that wasn't there in my day and like my Iyengar and Ashanga days where it's just like you would do what the teacher gave you you know mm -hmm. you would you would just take the adjustment there was no choice around it and now mm -hmm. I really like this new thing of saying um asking your students at the beginning of a class you know is there anyone who doesn't want to be receiving adjustment today and mm -hmm. I think it gives people um, it allows people who do have boundary issues to relax within your classroom and just partake in a regular yoga class, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting you say about like back in the day and in, in the Ashtanga vibe, which is very heavily focused on physical adjustments. I'm interested to ask you, like, and it's quite a broad question, so you feel free to run, run, run with the answer sure. or run away with the answer more likely. <laughs> okay. Um, how, how have you seen the yoga industry, let's say in Ireland anyway, mm -hmm change since you first started oh god that's <laughs> that is so different I, that is such an incredible question because i could probably rant on for that for the day go ahead well it was just so different when i started um like in ireland as a teacher um i started off i pretty much i mean i li was living in galway there was i think two other yoga teachers at the time in galway and right. they were both shivananda and I came in from an Iyengar base and people really wanted it. People were hungry. I opened up a, a center called Anshomri Yoga in the central Galway city. It's still there now. And I had over a hundred people on the waiting list at one point. I mean, it was really packed. To come to class? Yeah. Yeah. I wow. was just, it was, I would put down the phone. My hand was still on the receiver and it would start ringing again. And uh, my ex at the time, my ex-husband was saying to me, you know, open up a bigger studio because uh, he was a businessman. But I, for me, it wasn't about the business or the money. And I was like, and I was a new teacher as well. So I was saying, no, I want to keep my classes small. And, you know, so it's just, they're just going to have to wait, you know. <laughs> so, or, you know, I wanted to, for me, the integrity of my work has always been more important than the finances. And so, um, so I kept it small, but there was a big waiting list. And um, then there was no, the downside of that, there was no teacher for me to sub for me if I was ever sick. And it was a big responsibility for me at that time, taking on the studio with zero support. So that's kind of when I started thinking about training and I 
got insurance for a couple of people and then did official teacher trainings and whatever. Back at the time, around that time then, I, I was also teaching Ishtanga and um, as well as Iyengar and um, there was a, a, a moment when it was really around uh, Madonna and Jel Jerry Hallow or Jerry Hallowell. Jerry Hallowell, yeah. Hall yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when they were doing yoga and like, I mean, I remember one time walking through Tesco and like seeing this video of Jerry Hallowell and her yoga abs behind this video thing was stuck in behind the cauliflowers. I was like, oh my God. And like, this is the time when my phone was just ringing nonstop and everyone was wanted yoga and uh, like it was nuts. Um, so I did, I had nothing, it was very easy for me. I was very much in like um, in the right place at the right time. I had been practicing yoga for absolute years before I even started teaching. So, and I was very comfortable in that role. So it was just like, yay, you know, this is great. You know, felt it was a really good thing and I didn't need to market. I didn't need to push myself as a teacher you know it was very simple and it flowed mm. and then um i realize now like when i train people like and i'll just to stay with your question i'll stay with my irish students um even though i can i could also tell you about students from different countries as well what it's like for them but i know certainly with my irish teachers now that it's harder it's like a lot harder for them leaving teacher training um, and trying to establish them as a yoga teacher, like it's far more competitive, you know, mm. than my early days. Well, even, um, in, even in Galway? All over Ireland, I think it's just harder. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think nowadays as a yoga teacher, you have to be able to market yourself and push yourself. You have to know how to be a bit cocky to survive in a way, you know. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think, and it's, like I know teachers today and here in Ireland who are incredible teachers, you know, like the de their depth within their practice is phenomenal. And they're very respectful with students, etc. But they have, they also struggle to make money because they're not good. Like they're not prepared to market themselves. They're not prepared to put themselves out there. They, you know, won't set up an IG account or if they do, they're too inhibited to post, do you know. They're, you know, so the old way of, of looking at that, like, especially in the Ashanka community, that was like marketing yourself was a dirty word. Mm -hmm. You weren't therefore authentic if you promoted your work, you know, or your offerings was how it was viewed. And um, so you were told you were type A and you were cast aside and, you know, the, and everyone would look down on you. You know, that, that, that mentality was very, very real 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. not just in Ireland, across the globe. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's changing, you know. I mean, I guess there's still remnants of that there. But it's changing. It's becoming more accepted that teachers have to um, stay in the public eye and promote themselves. And, um, you know, as we're all entrepreneurs, we all have a business. And we all have to, whether we like to admit that to ourselves or not, and we all have to... Um, share learn how to share yeah mm. so for i think that's like one of the big things you know that has um how yoga has changed and in a way it's a good thing i mean it's 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 changed like that it's harder on teachers but it's it's changed because yoga has become so popular and that's incredible so yes. more people are practicing um i guess it's become more more mainstream 
you know, and people are more open and receptive to the teachings. Um, and in that as well, I think there's been an integration between East and West somewhat, even though for some people there's still this big divide between like Indian yoga and Western yoga. But I do believe that um, as it has become more mainstream, there's there seems to be less kind of us and them around the yoga lifestyle and let's say the office nine to five lifestyle you know there's plenty of people working in offices nine to five and you know they're dedicated practitioners as well and you know it's mm. it yeah it seems to be all interweaving nicely into mm. into people's lives so what age sorry the age what, what age what age are you when you started yoga um the long story of that is i actually I started, um, well, my mum did yoga when I was in her womb. Oh. Yeah. And then, uh, and transcendental meditation. And then I always remember, like, as a child, her practicing. And I, funnily enough, I had this obsession with, like, the right side of my body always being the same as my left side. So if I scratched my right <laughs> knee, I had to scratch the left knee and everything had to be even. So I kind of wondered if I have some kind of past life as an Iyengar teacher <laughs> or something like that. So yeah, I copied her growing up. And when I was like 12, I read her yoga book all about life force and prana and uh, vegetarianism. And I became vegetarian at the age of 12. Um, from the reading of her book. And then um, so I remember copying her with the Nauli Kriya, you know, the, the stomach yeah, yeah. churning. Yeah, she used to do that every day. And wow. Yeah, yeah, so, but I had no official lessons. And then I had a couple of philosophy books as well as teenager as well, I was quite interested in the philosophy. And then my sister was actually my first yoga teacher. She's also a yoga teacher, an Iyengar teacher. And I was living in San Francisco when I was 19. Um, so that was nearly 30 years ago. I'm 49, nearly 49, 48 now. And um, so, yeah, when I was 19, I started yoga with my sister. Mm. And I, um, after a while, I moved back to Dublin. Yeah. And um, I did Iyengar with a woman called Ashling Quark, who's an, uh, an Iyengar teacher here in Dublin. Mm. And I used to go for the Shavasanas. Mm -hmm. I just was, yeah, it was, it was that, that's probably, I have to say my early years were probably in some ways the most significant for me, um, in terms of my practice, um, was that? in terms of, um, changing patterns, um, unhealthy patterns in my life. Yeah. Mm. Like, cause I've kind of, that all sorted itself out after a few years of practice, but those first years were very significant. Um, so when I was a teenager, uh, my parents broke up and then my father died when I, in a car accident in my early twenties. So all of that had an impact, um, and it's, that seemed to kind of express itself, um, or I used to feel it, not even express itself out, but how I used to feel that inside was just a lack of confidence and, um, yeah, so and a lack of worth. Yeah, I think that was, they would probably have been the main symptoms. Mm. And then reaching out for numbing, things to numb out or whatever. So alcohol and smoking pot and partying, mm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, then through practice, I was like, 
Yeah, those shavasanas back with Ashley and Quirk in the early days, um, something changed for me. Yeah, something kind of magical stepped in and it was probably something that other people would take for granted, but for me it was magical and it was just a sense of ease in my body um, and my mind and just feeling completely um, happy with myself and complete acceptance and from that grew a sense of worth mm. or... Yeah, like a real esteem, not like a kind of a narcissistic esteem that was, that is, um, is, um, needs to be filled from the outside in, you know, mm -hmm. but something that seemed to come from within me. And it was like, yeah, just a feeling of everything being okay or me being okay with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that was in my early twenties and from that came a lifestyle change, like the partying and everything slipped away and um yeah I went back to college and mm. yeah I just did good things for me and I've been pretty much living a very kind of healthy life since then yeah. are, you, are you still veggie yeah yeah I am I was vegan for many years like I'd say for the last 10 years I'd say there'd be I'd say at least nine and a half of that would have been vegan I'd go through little spurts, like a week or two here of eating eggs or something. And then after a while, I'd, um, I'd go, I'd say, oh no, you know, I just feel like I don't want them anymore. And I go back to being vegan, maybe even more than 10 years. I don't really kind of count these things. Mm. Um, but then actually, funnily enough, I'm going through an egg phase at the moment. So I'm strictly vegetarian, not vegan. Um, and it's lasting. Like I'm keeping up my eggs for about two months now. Why is so, that? Um, it, it starts usually when I'm traveling, like when I'm at home in my own kitchen, I'm fine with my, you know, the way eating vegan is fine. I feel nourished by the food and I have time to cook and whatnot. Um, but traveling is a nightmare and social is a nightmare. So it makes it a bit easier if you eat eggs and I'm, I don't really eat a whole lot of grain uh, other than quinoa. So uh, I focus on more like trying to combine paleo with veganism is like quite intense. So um, in terms, I do feel like I need to get my protein in. So, um, you know, work, I usually would do a strong practice most days, you know, so protein would be important for me. So, um, yeah, I'm finding eggs now or helping a lot. It's so hard to avoid eating eggs because if you go out for brunch in Dublin, nine out of ten things on the menu have eggs in them if yeah. you, like, if you, um, why do you avoid eating grains because I'm considering this as well oh okay why, why do you avoid eating grains is it to do with like IBS or something like that no 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 it doesn't actually um, I feel maybe it's my constitution but I feel when I eat a lot of grain I feel heavier and sluggish mm. um, and I just feel just lighter and more energetic when I don't. Um, and I think there's a lot of grains out there. Well, again, you know, kind of, I'm kind of, I'm not sure. I'm, I would, I'm just reluctant to talk about food uh, on Why? a podcast because, I, well, a lot of people think, oh, vegans are so judgmental and da, 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 da. Um, I really want to, you know, I, whatever my opinions are, I don't mean them for anybody else, you yeah, know, yeah, but, um, but I just, um, I guess for me, I feel like um, 
for me food i want two things i want the food to taste good yeah, yeah. yeah. and i want to feel nourished like i want to feel like i'm getting in the right nutrients mm -hmm. and i there's like things like wheat and that i mean other than like uh, b vitamins which are good for the nervous system keeping it calm they don't really um they don't really create a whole lot of nourishment mm -hmm. in the system they just they create a kind of a heavy you know a feeling of fullness mm. um but not they're not very high in nutrients mm. um they also seemingly overactivate the limbic system and create kind of more like uh make people emotional and that emotions have like an addictive cycle and mm. and i guess i just feel like i don't really need that i don't know have you read the book sapiens yes yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah, book. It's amazing, yeah. yeah like that's what made me that's part of it made me <laughs> Yeah. There's this chapter where he's he's you know, he talks about wheat colonizing us, you know, that we were hunter gatherer. Yeah. And then we stopped when we started doing uh, we started coming out of the forest to grow wheat, but just to, just in the season. So we just settle around the um harvesting time of the wheat. And then that change to us basically settling all year round. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we were living in the forest, we were like yogis, you know, we were mm -hmm. like, you know, we were very athletic and we were moving a lot and we were not up in our heads thinking and over feeling and analyzing. And, you know, we were just we were moving and and then all this wheat got us to settle and mm -hmm. sit and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is interesting you know? it is interesting that, that stages of evolution you know like almost those three stages hunter gatherer the agriculture ag agricultural revolution yes or that was the right word yeah that's it and then now you know mm. now we're like don't know what we're doing <laughs> there's some people who be like eating paleo and crawling around the floor like a, like a monkey you know this whole, this whole thing of like movement culture um it's almost like we're trying to go back to how we were as hunter gatherers, but it's really, it's really difficult. I do think constant movement is ideal, mm. but it's just so hard, isn't it? Because you've got to sit to type, <laughs> you know, and you've got to sit to. Oh, don't talk to me. Yeah. I mean, because you wrote obviously two uh, books. I've written two manuals. Yeah, two manuals. And actually, three, if I include my new 300 hour one. Um, and I'm always updating content. So yeah, but I I have to admit I get real burnout. Mm. Um, I, I remember when I came back from Spain this year, I had a whole month just no computers. Like just like this one good thing about me teaching these intensives, I I actually come back feeling healthier. People say, how do you do it? You know mm. how you know sometimes people say they can't even teach a whole weekend and they're shattered. And how can I keep going for twenty six days? But I work it in such a way that. I don't know I actually can come back quite feeling quite energized and I think for me part of that is that I'm not sitting on a computer like yeah. I'm moving and I'm in my body and um, yeah I, I really enjoy teaching the content you know that I'm sharing as well which helps I suppose too but yeah sitting I had a I had a my neuromuscular uh, tutor I'm a neuromuscular therapist as well and my, my tutor John Sharkey he used to say sitting is the new smoking Really? Yeah, no, personally, I think that might be a little bit extreme. I prefer to sit than smoke, but um, no offense to any smokers out there, but just my own personal, but still, yeah, just in terms of um, even what like nervous system response in that, it's not like the how we think we tend to separate posture from the health of our organs, um, but it's all connected. You know, our mm -hmm. diaphragm is for sure, it's our breath, 
the muscles associated with our breathing but um, it's also every time the diaphragm moves it uh, moves down into the viscera it's highly connected into the organs of the body and every time we breathe um, we're nourishing those organs and if the diaphragm gets stuck which it does through sitting you know the organ that you know this impacts on the health of our organs um, it's it's all connected you know this mm -hmm. is what we're learning more and more yeah it's, yeah it's it's i mean i i'm kind of shocked by my poor mobility in my hips and um that, that I, I seen a picture of me when i was a little kid and i was sitting on the floor cross-legged like mm -hmm. almost in lotus and uh i couldn't get near that now you know mm -hmm. it's amazing how it's not necessarily age that makes you immobile it's not moving your joints in the way you always For did sure. yeah. and it's funny how when you have a, a, a child, a child, you'll say to them, you know, don't climb on that or get down or don't wrestle with your brother or whatever. You know, it's this is all discouraged. Yeah. And then to, the, to eventually all you're doing is sitting at a desk or standing up. And um, I became like so aware of this. And now when I was working in an office and now I'm just like, wow, I actually, my work environment is I'm, you know walking around I like going home and feeling physically tired mm -hmm. I love it I, I am the happiest part of my day is when I finish my last class and I'm like not because I'm going home just because I feel physically tired mm -hmm. I'm like it's a nice feeling to get into yeah. bed and be like my feet are a little bit sore but in a good way my hands are a bit sore um, from uh, from being active you know as opposed to being sedentary and your mind going working overtime mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to avoid. Um, you know, you were saying, just to, just want to go back to about vitamins and minerals, mm -hmm. um, because I remember on the Bryce teacher training, you dropped us some, some nutrition knowledge in class. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Carol, wow. <laughs> you know, loads of stuff. Um, where, because I was talking to someone about this the other day, about where to get, I don't want to take supplements. Yeah. The only one I take is vitamin B12 uh -huh. as a spray. Yeah. Um, where would you get B12 from or B's? I, I recommend that you supplement. It's probably like yourself, yeah. it would be the only thing that I would get outside of food. Even if you eat meat? Oh, sorry, if you're vegetarian. If, if you're vegetarian? Yeah, yeah. If you're vegetarian, so, okay. Yeah, that's the only one that I would, I, I mean, I, personally, I don't have to watch it. I, I actually don't know why, because for years I didn't watch it, but then I got it tested and it was fine, so, but, yeah. But... It's, it's one that I'd be conscious. I guess calcium would be another one that I'd be conscious that I get in as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, B12, it's a good idea to supplement if you're not eating meat, definitely. You know, like, mm. for example, spirulina is the highest source of B12 on the planet, but we can't digest it as oh. humans. It's, oh. not, it's not in a form that actually, yeah, assimilates well in our body. Mm. So... Um, like even, uh, there, there is a lot of vegan products that are fortified with it. So like nutritional yeast or um, like the nut milks or coconut milk or whatever that you buy on the shelves often have B12 in it, you mm. know. So. Um, <laughs> it's your tummy. <laughs> talking about food, my tummy's going to run. So yeah, you could even get them that way or do the spray or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This, I, I do that every morning now. I get my spray. Um but yeah, I know it's not ideal. But then I think I start. I've started eating meat now, so maybe I don't need it at all. Maybe you don't. Yeah. yeah. I should probably get my my blood blood thing done. There's a place called the Rock Dock in um uh -huh. in Red Oath, uh -huh. and they do like a full screening of you. You know, uh -huh. um, they do everything like stool samples, the whole oh, lot. Yeah. yeah. But um, 
but it's, sometimes it's good to get done it's good every every now and again i'm not personally i have thankfully i've never had to had treatment from a doctor i, I don't i'm one of these people who don't get sick yeah. but i do get tests occasionally just mm-hmm. like um like my whole thing around the medical system is like well they're great for diagnosing you know they're also great for emergencies you know um but for di- after a diagnosis you know there's always options around treatment you mm-hmm. know that um so occasionally i've gone and um would have considered like uh herbalism or whatever mm-hmm. you know well, after well it's so funny you say that because i had i've never said this actually before but i had an experience i had thought i had ibs uh-huh. irritable bowel syndrome which is something like it's kind of embarrassing to say you know basically i've got diarrhea <laughs> and um i went to the doctor I was just fed up. I was like, I went to the doctor to see what the story was, and he suggested that I have he um, suggested that I had colitis. Yeah. And um, I said, "Bloody, that sounds bad." Uh, and I googled it and uh, found out what it was. And then he said, "Yes, you know, here's a prescription to take some steroids. You go around the chemist around the corner." So I got the. This is about four years ago. I got the prescription. Went around to the chemist. And they charged me 120 quid for six weeks worth of steroids and um, got onto the train, the Lewis. And I remember thinking, right, let me read it. So I read and I thought, I'm not the kind of person to take steroids. Mm. It just doesn't suit my, a bit like yourself, really. I don't, uh, certain things I just don't even believe in. And um, I started Googling the side effects and it was just an an endless list of side effects. And then I, I found out on a forum, because forums are great for this you know, unbiased information, um, that you just don't come off them. You don't come off these steroids. Okay. Went into work, because I was going on my way to work that day, and the guy that's sitting opposite me, I remember it so clearly, I said, um, he's like, you all right? I said, oh, I'm fine, yeah, just um, I've got to take these steroids. And I told him what it's for, and he goes, oh, I had that. I was on them as well. And I said, um, oh, and then what happened? He goes, I said, when did you come off them? Because I didn't come off them. What happened is I became used to them. Uh-huh. My body adapted and the, the doses didn't work anymore. So eventually they removed, surgically removed my colon. Oh. I said, so I said what? <laughs> and uh, I thought, so I just chucked them in the bin. I, yeah. chucked the, I didn't even open them. I went into this health food shop and this girl who was you know had headband on a tie-dye t-shirt and stuff was like oh try this um oil of oregano oh yeah and i said i'm not paying 12 euro for uh stuff i'd get on a pizza (laughs) 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 you know that's been put into an oil and then um four days i took it for four days put little drops in my water i was 100 percent Wow. I was regular. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It was, I, I thought, I couldn't believe it. That, yeah. But it's potent, this stuff, all in oregano. <gasps> but, Caraway, it completely, like, transformed my, my gut, you could say. Wow. Because um, it's a dis, it's a antibacterial mm-hmm. type of thing. And it made me re- rethink, like, wow, you know, plants are powerful. Plants are very powerful. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, there is a, there is... A need for drugs I guess you know I've never taken them myself um, but like my mom is 80 now she's she doesn't take anything either you know I, I think I'm gonna be like her when I get older mm. um, I know people her and she's like running around the place she's loads of energy um, but it's like um, yeah I think 
I don't mean to again judge people who do, you know, make those choices. Everyone has to make their own choice about yeah. how they deal with their health. It's a very personal thing. Um, but yeah, I always encourage people just to look at up at, at alternative options. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well to acknowledge the role of the mind and emotions as well and physical health and that's something that the western medical system doesn't really do you know psychosomatic is a dirty word you know which is mind body really mm. yeah. um whereas if you went to an ayurvedic doctor they'd be saying well how are your sleep patterns and how's your stress how's your anxiety you know you're worried about stuff and you know and then when when you and sometimes when i'm because as i say i'm a therapist as well so when i'm working with people um one-on-one -on -one, i realize sometimes that people don't make the connection between uh anxiety stress and their physical health mm -hmm. and grief and trauma you know they um you know that their fibromyalgia just appeared out of nowhere do you know what i mean or their you know whatever symptoms they're going through just appeared out of nowhere and then in my case histories i'll say you know is there anything that was happening around that time or you know and they'll say something like oh yeah well just just a divorce or just the death of my mom or just you know and so as a therapist i'm always getting you know helping people to make that connection because we're brought up in this dualistic framework uh where the mind is separated from the body and uh that's kind of coming from descartes back in the 16th century and then that has infiltrated through politics and art and into health and so in that mind body separation we're basically addressing symptoms you know we're taking pills to uh, suppress symptoms mm -hmm. and it's only now that um, you know we're starting to look at things holistically that anytime you know separating the mind from the body just doesn't work in terms of healing it's just going to create more pills more symptoms and then new pills for the symptoms of the old pills <laughs> you know it's just yeah. like this racket you know this yeah. kind of uh money-making racket in a way mm -hmm. um even though i'm sure there's a lot of people working within that industry who really do mean well and want to help people mm -hmm. you know and of course it has its successes um it also has its limitations Definitely. and yeah i think you know i think yoga can really help us make that connection between our mind and the body and help us you know heal our stress levels and become aware of our tension patterns help us let go of unhealthy relationships or lifestyle patterns that are creating our physical symptoms because um and i think sometimes people feel like uh if they do make that mind body connection they're com sometimes it's like a stage uh, of being where people are saying will, will say to me things like um, is that crazy you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. is that just weird like could could those things could I you know that trauma that I've had really create these physical symptoms because now the, the symptoms are physical you know they're it's real physical pain but that's the way the body is yeah. you know the body's our, our issues are in our tissues the body is the record <laughs> nice. yeah it's like and yeah. um, yoga can really help people join the dots again you know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um carol i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you with or not leave you but i'm gonna ask you some larry king style questions okay to, like, to finish the podcast yeah i like these because um they're they're questions where i won't respond to your answer i'll just move on to the next question okay and it's like a very have you ever, I, I don't know if you watch it i've watched no, larry, I larry actually. king but he, okay yeah, he does this. <laughs> so because i was just thinking like if there's one person and I said this to you before in teach training, I was like, you personify yoga to me. Like, Aww. you know, you're just like, like, um, 
yeah and you are i think born to be or maybe born is the wrong word but you're your, what you do you're suited for perfectly in terms of healing and, and that type of thing um, but if you weren't a yoga teacher this is my first question what would you be? theatre director okay <laughs> <laughs> there's no follow up questions to that <laughs> so, that's my second love yeah. okay. um, if there was one person in history either dead or alive that you'd like to have lunch with who would it be? Einstein Good. And um, what would be the one piece of advice you would give yourself if you met yourself when you were, we started yoga when you were 19, so if you met yourself when you were 16? Trust yourself. <laughs> That's perfect. That's the podcast done. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Th thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me here. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Next week, I have with me Mr. Max Strom. I first heard of Max when I read his book, his first book, A Life Worth Breathing, and it completely blew me away. He is really interested in the subjects of modern life, of loneliness, of how we really struggle to make connections in a world where where we rely too much on technology this is an area that interests me and in particular how this relates to men and men's health and how men are not particularly good at dealing with emotions as well as women are so i actually flew to london to go to one of max's workshops called the calibrated man and max was kind enough to have breakfast with me which is really cool. Uh, we chatted away and then we went to my cousin's car. My cousin lent me his car when I was over in London and we did the podcast in my car. So yeah, what better place to do it? Um, Max is phenomenal. I mean, I could talk to that guy all day. To be honest, he's a bit, he's turning into a bit of a mentor for me. Um, I just love his message and his style of practice. Um, so hopefully you like that subject matter and from a more superficial level, he also has probably the best voice I've ever heard. Think Barry White meets Morgan Freeman meets James L. Jones. Has that deep baritone voice. So, um, yeah, great content. And also, um, it should be nice on the ears when you listen to it. That's, so that's next week. It's going to be a short one, only 20-odd minutes. Because um, he was a busy, he's a busy man. Um, yeah, tune in every Thursday. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. A review and a rating that would really help. If you'd like to get in touch, if you have any suggestions of people you'd like to learn more about, send them my way. Have a powerful week. Look after yourself. 